Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. Welcome back to Hackberry House, a podcast devoted to the Word of God and the persecuted church in North Korea. My name is Bob, and this is podcast number 528. It is July 24, 25, 2016. Today's stories from North Korea actually were using the Voice of the Martyrs devotional, Extreme Devotion, that I copied into my own little book uh, called Hackberry House, Volume 1. And uh, just going over some of these stories so that you will remember to pray for North Korea this week. This is from day 341 in that VOM devotional. Look for the cross. The young Korean man named Kik heard a villager say, Word spread to those who escaped from North Korea into China that they should look for a building with a cross. He finally found one, and with it he found food and clothing. He also found a new relationship with Jesus Christ. The church members discipled Kik for three months, but Kik knew he must return to North Korea to tell others about Jesus. Kim and another young believer were given five Bibles and food for their journey. However, border guards captured them just after they made it across the river back into North Korea. The guards discovered the Bibles that Kik's friend was carrying. The guard then beat Kik's friend to death with an iron rod. Then they turned on Kik, but he managed to escape. After several months, he began to share Christ with others and started an underground church in North Korea. Before long, Kik realized he needed more Bibles for the rapidly growing number of believers. He remembered how his friend had given up his life trying to bring the Word of God back to their homeland. When Kik decided to return to China for more Bibles, the believers were very anxious for his safety. The kick remembered the advice given to him some time ago. He simply replied, just look to the cross. Yeah, great story. Here's an eyewitness account borrowed from Thomas Belke's book called Juche. It says, shortly after the Korean War broke out, communist soldiers overtook a small town outside Pyongyang. 190 Christians were apprehended along with their pastor, Brother Kim. The soldiers asked, is it really worth dying for Jesus? We can save your life if you just say you don't believe in him. Well, Pastor Kim would not deny the Lord, and so he was hung on a cross amidst a slow-burning fire. The soldiers, thinking they had won the day, turned to the 190 and said, those who still believe in Jesus, come forth. But all 190 stepped forward. The soldiers marched them all into an abandoned mine, threw sticks of dynamite inside, and then left them for dead. Hours later, one man awoke. He was filled with remorse when he realized he had survived. Why, Lord, did you not take me to heaven? He found his way out of the mine after several days of digging. Then it was that he discovered that all of his fingers were missing and his hands were swollen and bloody. Later he understood something else. God had spared his life so that he could tell the church and the family of Pastor Kim just what had happened. Had he not lived, no one would ever have heard this story. God has his purposes for all of us, too. Let us humbly seek him and his perfect will.
And then that extreme devotion book again. This book, this story is from from that one. Communists tell North Korean children that they will suffer a horrific fate if they're ever caught in China. But the children also know that if they are fortunate enough to escape, they should look for a building with the shape of a cross on it to find help. Two North Korean children who managed to arrive at a Chinese church relayed their stories to the pastor. My name is Cheng Li. My sister and I watched our parents starve to death. We managed to walk across the Yalu River while it was still frozen. Once on the other side, my older sister said, You stay here. I have to go on a little farther by myself. She never returned. Cheng is only six. Hung Jun, an 11-year-old boy, said, I want to return to North Korea and tell others about Christ. And then he cried as he sang, O Lord, give us the voice of the gospel for our beloved brothers the Lord so loved before. Where are all of these gone? The Lord is looking upon them. O Lord, send us to them, to our beloved Korean brothers. O Lord, send us to them, to our beloved Korean brothers, wherever they are. Let them bloom as flowers. A few months later, Hong Jun was kidnapped from the village and forcibly returned to North Korea. Perhaps he is witnessing to his captors even now, or shortly after he returned anyway. Well, what is it like being a North Korean Christian is the question of my next article in, the, in this book. And my answer, I really don't know. Uh, but wait, since you asked, and since the word tells me to remember prisoners as though I were bound with them, it's probably important to try to understand what they are experiencing. Let's see. And to be a North Korean Christian must mean to eat a lot less. Could I do that? Yes, fasting is a command and an opportunity to relate to the suffering church. I could skip a meal now and then, or, or cut out a meal altogether. Who says I need three meals a day to survive? North Korean Christians probably walk a lot. Hmm, no wheels. Could I find ways to walk more? What if I were the one on the trail each day that the wheeled people were always saying, on your left, to? What if it were me that the cars were coming around and blasting away with their nasty horns? Yeah, I could do that. Could lose some weight in the process. Get back to nature, live simply. Believers over there don't go to church to be someone or to watch videos or to talk with their friends about the latest sports outcomes. They don't go to see a performance or to gossip about so-and-so. Their attendance is not casual. If they go, the meeting is in secret. It's understood that it could end in jail or worse. They go to hear from God regardless of the cost. How, how in the world could I relate to that? Well, I could take my church attendance more seriously. I could stop criticizing. I could lead a holy life that makes church necessary and not optional. I could develop a love for Jesus in my prayer life that would spill over to my church life. Being a North Korean believer means no television to speak of, no constant distraction and temptation to look at what the world is doing and try to be like it. 
Hmm, not a bad idea. Could I get rid of my habit? My TV? At least one of the five that are hanging around my house? Maybe I could trash all but one and use it only for news? Or could I use my radio and computer for news and pitch all the TVs? Am I too far advanced in my addiction to try any of this? Then how will I ever relate to a North Korean believer and have anything better to offer him? Yeah, in truth, some of the above things I've done, I, I desire to do all of them and more. But even then, it will not let me fully understand what it means to be a North Korean Christian. When the persecution comes here, then I'll know. I've said it before, we need North Korea more than they need us. As you read through the items there, doesn't it strike you that the life they are living is very close to the life prescribed in God's word? If I, in my liberty, have chosen not to live as they must live in their restriction, I've got to ask why. What's wrong with less food, no TV, lots of walking and vital church services? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with my culture? Huh. Sorry, my... My answer to your question, what's it like being a North Korean Christian, turns into another question. Yeah. Tom Belke's book, Juche, and this is the next article. I hope it's on your reading list. It's, a getting, it's been a few years now. but uh, And it's offered on the VOM website and other places. Juche is spelled J-U-C-H-E in English. I quote today from the foreword of that book, though, by Bansuk Lee of Fuller Theological Seminary. Kim Il-sung's plan and the Juche ideology were initially presented as political. Well, soon after his taking control of North Korea, though, it became a manifest part of a plan for Satan to assume rights and authority over the North Korean people. The veil continues to cover the eyes, minds, hearts, and spirits of many of the North Korean people who believe that Juche, or self-reliance is what that means, ideology, will save the world. Hundreds die every day in total ignorance of God's love and mercy. The Juche mentality is Satan's fetter, shackling people's minds. Juche must be broken. It's the epitome of rebellion. God created us in his image to be fully dependent on him. Juche holds the direct opposite. The small Kim Il-sung pin covering every North Korean's heart is in fact a symbol of worship, spiritually hindering them from giving their hearts to Jesus. Their slogans and songs deifying Kim Il-sung, Kim Jong-il, and Juche are used to keep them in spiritual darkness. As North Koreans are forced to worship the images of Kim Il-sung daily, they remain ignorant offenders, breaking God's commandment and falling under his curse. For too long, North Korea has been a playground of principalities and powers. Millions of souls have entered eternity without having heard the name of Jesus. This has got to stop. That's written from the book. And I say, and I hope you do, amen. Amen who will join forces against the enemy of our souls to bring about an end to this. One more story today. It's called The Amazing Case 
of Kim Hyun Hae. That's her name. Probably doesn't ring a bell. Today she lives somewhere in South Korea, at least she did um, when this was written. Afraid for her life, they say. Assassination is the word they're using, uh, perhaps by North Koreans who manage to sneak in now and then, and perhaps by South Koreans. What a pained life she must live. And what could one 20-something lady, we'll call that 30 or 40-something now, it was 20 years ago, 40-something lady, have done to warrant such hatred. She was born in North Korea, 1962, to a privileged family. She was soon discovered to be a talented child. She was bright and beautiful and eventually got the attention of the powers in Pyongyang, the capital. Normally for one to be praised by one's government is a happy thing, but in North Korea, none of the rules apply. Grabbed from her family against their will and better judgment, Kim was trained to be a spy. After the normal introductory assignments, she was given one last mission. She was to help bomb a passenger jet coming into Seoul, filled with South Koreans. This would convince the powers that be that the Olympic Games should never be held in Seoul. Somehow this would lead to the reunification of the Koreas. I know that's a stretch. That's what she was told. Raised to believe that the ruling powers were all wise, she bought it. Her partner was a longtime professional, and the two of them posed as Japanese tourists. On their return to Korea, they planted a bomb on KAL Flight 858. Now you know who she is. Some of you might. Mistakes were made. The two were caught. The old man killed himself. Kim tried, but to no avail. She was brought to trial in Seoul and found guilty, and then pardoned by the government of Seoul. We are told that the South Korean president was politically motivated in his decision to pardon Kim. His reasoning to the world was, the persons who ought to be on trial here are Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il. This child is as much a victim of this evil regime as the passengers aboard KAL 858. Who can argue with, with that reasoning? Kim truly repented of her actions, both before the trial and after. She was led to see that she had been lied to all of her life. One look at Seoul told her most of what she needed. She wrote a book I think you should read. All the proceeds from it went to families of victims. Though I write all of this uh, with a calm, almost cold reporter's way, when I read her book, I was, as I have often been, a basket case. Aptly named The Tears of My Soul, the book, it will extract tears from your soul, too. And did I mention Kim Hyun-hee gave her life to Jesus Christ after these horrible events? Whether some will ever be able to forgive her is uncertain, but God has. Yeah, God has. Well, that's the best I can do today. I do hope that these stories are causing you to pray and to care about your brothers, your sisters, your family that's in prison, in a nation that's a prison called North Korea. Brainwashed, 
put into jail if they won't respond to the brainwashing. Uh, tortured, killed, would you pray for North Korea today? I believe you will. God bless you. We'll talk again tomorrow when we can do uh, a little Bible study, question and answer for one day anyway. I've got about one day's word, First Chronicles, and a little more maybe. Then we'll go back to another surprise or two the rest of the week. God bless you. Until then, bye-bye. Don't forget, don't forget our, our opening verse. I always like to try to do that. It started with Isaiah 62, verse 1. For Zion's sake, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. I hope that will be your attitude, too.